Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You are on the sidelines with the sideline guys for a very special MMA edition of TSG. I am joined by my brother in arms, the only other Negron that I've ever met that somehow we are not related. My guy, Sean Negron. How's it going, brother? It's going well. It's going well. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't know another Negron or Negron. It depends on how you want to pronounce it. Negron, uh, Negron. It, you got you to yeah. roll that R, brother. But, yes. Well, on my Spanish side, it's Negron. But on the American side of my family, it's Negron because they don't want to try. So yeah. you get used to a half the more than half the people going, yeah, you're, you're the Negron guy, right? So it almost like takes over. Nothing's but, better than a good old Negron. You ever got one of those? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Negron? Those, yep. those are the best. Yeah, that's how it always goes. But yeah, no, everything's good. Um, great. I I I like the uh, fight card last week, and now we get ready for a beautiful pay per view event, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got a lot to cover from last week, and of course, looking forward to this week as well. Uh, but before we get into that, it is only right that we tell the people, right? We tell the people where they could find us. So. Please let the people know. Sean, where can they find your, your awesome work? That's the that's the real question. Really, Twitter. Just, just find me on Twitter. It's better off that way. But uh at Sean Negron26. Um, you can find me there. And I have my own website, bsreports.org. And I at BS Reports on Twitter if you are ever interested in anything sports related to get started, or if you want to join. Uh, the team of writers that I have in every sport, any sport, um, MMA included, you can uh, always reach out and I will get you started, help you out, and uh, use my connections the best way I can. Yes, sir. The man is loyal. I I can't wait to take him up on that. <laughs> and I will. I promise I will. This guy has been saying this for the <laughs> longest. <laughs> Hey, can't my wait right. to up on that. Can't once wait to once I'm finished being the editor that I have been for the last yes. two months of my life, um, I, I will have much more time to put out more content. But uh, you could also catch me on Twitter at Negron MMA or X, whatever you want to call it, uh, as well as on TikTok at Negron MMA. Give me a follow there as well. And then, of course, on Instagram, Chris Negron underscore. But most importantly, make sure you're following the brand at OTS Media Co. on all platforms. Um, make sure that you check us out there. We got a lot of really cool stuff coming up, whether it's this show, the other shows that I'm a part of, like Realish or uh, the football edition of the Sideline Guys, which we, we're Sean will be matriculating in more often as well. So look forward to a lot of sports and lifestyle content coming from OTS. But with all that being said, Let's get right into this recap, man. Like you said, last week was a big week for you. I will be honest. It wasn't a big week for me. Um, but we've got UFC Fight Night, Luke versus RDA. Sean, is there anything that sort of sticks out to you that you want to talk about from last week's card just to, to recap for the folks? Ooh. I, I would say if we're going to talk about fights that I consider my favorite, uh, I'm not gonna lie, the Damone Blackshear, which I know it's not Damone. I'm just calling it Damone now because yeah. I said it last week, and I have to stick to my guns here. Yeah, I love and you so, adding in that A at the end there. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's what I'm here for. Yeah. And uh, he's here for the moment. That was my favorite. You, you, it's very rare to get a twister in there, and I always love seeing them. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, it, it one performance of the night. It was an incredible performance, and we get lucky enough to see it again in in a few days, hopefully. Um, mm-hmm. That one, and uh, obviously the Khalil Roundtree fight was awesome. That was a fight I think we both uh, predicted. What I love most about that fight was the fact that Roundtree is so scary, right? You know, like, and and I feel bad for Chris Dawkins in a way because he's been given, like, the top killers in the heavyweight division for three or four fights in a row now, and it has not worked out for him. And we kind of called it. We both we both saw it going this way. But now, like, it, it definitely... Um, it makes me very curious to to see what they want to do with both Roundtree and with with Dawkins after this. Yeah, man, I agree. There was great performances all around. A lot of really shocking finishes actually on this card in general. Um, the theme for me, funny enough, is is really the the underdogs that didn't cash for me. But I, I'll start with Khalil, like you were mentioning. I, I really love that fight too. I I just feel like. Chris Dawkins actually looks really good at 205. Like, I I, I think that'll be a, a good move for him moving forward. Um, I just don't know what the UFC does with him at this point, right? This is four knockout losses in a row. So, like, how do you do you do you outright cut him? Like, I've seen guys like this get cut for less. Like, I don't know. I guess he has been in main events, and he is a heavyweight. So, there is always uh, a place on the roster for any middling heavyweight. Um, but... Uh, I'm definitely interested to see, well, now that he's no longer at heavyweight, it doesn't stand. So I I don't know what they're going to do with him. Um, I think they think of him highly, though, if they gave him the Khalil fight just because where Khalil's at, right? So this is four wins in a row now for him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in a main event against somebody like Johnny Walker or something like that. Um, just one of those sort of step up fights. Uh, they love main eventing big hitters and man, like you said, his, his fight style is just so fun to watch some of the most vicious follow-up shots. Like once he smells blood in the water, uh, the dude is a fucking shark and the, the shots just look mean, right? Just look round tree fights. Like he just caught you in bed with his wife <laughs> and that's, that's the perfect really way to describe like it. Yeah, like, man. The, the it way is... he's throwing those like hooks on the ground like that. Like he's, you know, trying, he's like going in for murder. Like you're Bus not driver uppercuts. Just you yes. going to jail now. Just, just, just <laughs> winding it all the way back and just smoking dudes. Yeah. I'm so glad there's a that, real that anger there. Missed. Like, you know, like skimmed them. Cause I always, I, every time I see that clip, I just go, man, if that landed clean, I don't think Chris, Chris would still be asleep. Chris will no oh. longer be with us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, such a fun dude to fight. We were talking about this too before this one, and just to see him go out there and do the damn thing again was really dope. Um, Demon Blackshear versus Jose Johnson, man, that one hurt. Uh, I had a big underdog play on Jose Johnson. There was uh, there was a moment. I don't know if you saw this. There was a moment in the exchanges early on where Jose Johnson did buzz Demon Blackshear, and the way I popped in the house, it was so bad. Uh, it was a mo a night full of moments like that for me, where I'm just like. Yeah, I, I put a lot of stock in these underdogs and just got absolutely cooked when 0-3 on my underdog picks that I bet on. And, 
Yeah, we're re- refocusing, reapproaching this week. I think my main takeaway from the L's and the bath that I took last week is just like, especially for the dynasty game, like, remember, this is about the long haul. Like, there was a couple different young prospects, Jacqueline Amarim, right? Uh, Devon Blackshear, if we want to put him in there. There's, there's a couple of young guys that none of us picked at all, uh, maybe because we outright picked against them. Um, but something we might have to consider moving forward is like, yeah, I might not be picking this person to win in this fight, but like their career prospects, right? Like to try to keep that in perspective. So uh, that was my biggest takeaway on the night um, to go into the specifics, right? Uh, this week was a win for my guy, Sean. He went eight and five, bringing his record to 24 and 20 on the season. And I went six and seven on the nights bringing myself to 26 and 18. I love the way a lot of our fights, especially early on, we were just going back and forth. Just we both picked opposite and then it just went opposite. Um, As the night went on, clearly you pulled away, got the dubs there. I'm sitting at 26 and 18 now, Uh, but the dynasty league is where it's at, right? This is where my lead holds firm. Now let me stop talking my shit because I got cooked last week. Um, My dynasty team and Sean's dynasty team went two and two. So I had Hakeem Dewodu. Uh, that was a bad break for me. That one hurt. Uh, Martin Boudet, Marcus McGee, and Rafael Dos Anjos. And, and Sean had Vincente Luque, Khalil Roundtree Jr., Montserrat Conejo. Still can't believe none of us picked MRM. And then Francis Marshall, uh, who... We both ended up going two and two. I'm sitting at nine and three for the season now on Dynasty, and Sean is sitting at four and eight. So, do you agree with me on like where we fucked up this last week? Like, do we need to recenter our plans when it comes to Dynasty? Yeah, it was uh, not my favorite. Um, I definitely like watching back and like seeing. Like, I was even messaging you. Like, I really picked this person. Like. (laughs) I really picked, you know, X and I'm like, what the heck? Like, why? <laughs> why didn't I pick them? Because this is exactly what I thought they were going to do. Why didn't I just double down on what I said in the preview episode? Watching it live, you would think A plus B is going to equal C here. I go A plus B now equals G. And it doesn't, it doesn't correlate to what I, like, what I went with. So, yeah, I, I, I see that now for sure. Um, I think, I think the card was interesting to say the least. I, I got to ask you about the, um, the Cub Swanson fight. What, what did you, how did you feel with how that whole thing played out with the judges scorecards and everything like that? It's a good question. Honestly, I didn't hate it. Right. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. Um, felt good at least right it did suck for the picks like i at least i would have went uh a hundred on the 500 on the week right going seven and no i would have went seven and six so i would have been above 500 um but either way um i think it's one of those fights right i feel like we get a handful of these every year where i agree it is a close fight but to me at least it just didn't feel like justifiable for cub swanson i think i gave cub the third for sure but I feel like one and two was pretty clear for me at least, but just one of those fights, right? Kind of sucks. Bad beat. If it's anyone else, I feel like I'm a little bit more upset, but I, I got a, I got a little soft spot for Cub Swanson. So didn't, didn't mind seeing him get the dub in that way. 
bro, you took my win away from me. I was going with Cub, and you convinced me. Uh, not, not directly, but I was convinced. Like I think Cub's gonna do it, and then you. I just remember listening to the reasoning for why you think Hakeem was gonna take it. And I was like, you know what? But my question is, my question here. is, would you have felt good picking Cub Swanson going into the the announcing of the cards? No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but. At the same time, he did get a win, which I love. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that Cub continues. It's like Cub is like I told you in the last episode. Cub is probably within my top ten favorite fighters. I've always been a humongous fan of him, and I love guys who are so under the radar now, but have been here forever. And there was a time where I thought Cub was going to hang it up like four or five years ago, and you know he took a little time off. He came back, and it's been. It's been awesome. Like, granted, I didn't think he won this last fight, but you know, I I, I don't know what happens with him now. Like, like, what do you what what would you what could you really do with Cub? Like, he's never gonna be ranked again, and I don't know how many more fights he's got left on the contract. And I feel like with with the Wudu, this was kind of a big step back because he was supposed to be, you know, the one of the next big things out there, and he hit a, he hit the Schneid, and you think, okay, you know what, this fight against Cub is a nice little veteran, you know, uh, and not really a prospect, but a guy on this, you know, trying to make his comeback. This would be a great fight for Duwudu to make his way back. And that's why I picked him, because I was like, you know what, I think he's still a great fighter. Do I think he was ever going to be a champion? No, but I think he can be a good fighter, uh, especially in his division. I, I think he'll beat Cub. But like with decisions like these, it's like he really did win, but I really, you know, it doesn't matter now. Now, you know, like yeah. what happens with him now, you know, losing, what is it, two in a row, three in a row? Or I don't know if he won his last one. I don't remember exactly, but. Um, two yeah, in a row he's lost. Like, yeah, two, yeah, two. He lost three of his last four. It's, you know, it's tough. It's tough when you start, you know, you, when you're on a five-fight win streak and then you lose mm-hmm. three or four. And you feel like you won, right? You feel like you won the last one. Yeah. yeah. Then you would think like off this win, okay, I could bounce back. I could probably get a fight by the end of this, you know, before the end of the year and, you know, move forward with that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Um, tough pill to swallow. Hopefully we get to see both of these guys back in action real soon. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I definitely feel for Hakeem. Um, but at the same time, it's a weird thing, right? Because you want to pick winners, right? That's what this game is about. You want to pick winners. And unfortunately, we picked the fucking loser. But did he really lose? Like, no, he, I, I don't think so. I mean, I felt comfortable going into that decision. Like, all right, that's a nice little dub. And then to go into the main event with. And, of course, it just went the other way. So that that one hurt. I mean, it was just a bad week for, for me, at least, in general. So it just, at that point, it kind of was like, well... Why not? Right. Why not? Why not make it a comedy of errors and just take away the last glimmer of hope I had for the rest of my spread and just make make the one good beat I might have had. Right. As far as predicting how a fight would go uh, null and void. So it is what it is. Right. It is what it is. You got to take the good with the bad. Sometimes you get some bad beats like this. And I won't be surprised if it happens again here in the near future. Uh, But every card, there's always one. Exactly. Uh, I don't think every card, I think that's a little bit more than I would like to admit, but definitely it feels like at least I feel like five times card, a year. I feel like one. at least five times a year there's one of these fights where it's like, man, 
Yeah, well, I, as 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 much as yes, okay, I agree with you there. But I'm saying I feel like every card always has one where you're like, I am. How did it go? How did they see it that way? Hmm. And you know, I I feel like that's like a perfect segue into how we got to the main event of 292 for yeah. Sean O'Malley and stuff like that because that's happened to him in the positive side, right? Yeah, like, that's a really good point. You know, and and you know, we'll get to it. But it's, yeah, I wish it didn't happen at all, but I feel like I feel like it's gotten worse over the years, if that makes any sense. But it's not to the point where I'm, it's like boxing, where it affects me dramatically, like where now any decision, I have no idea where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, boxing has gotten better with that, but like the UFC doesn't scare me like that yet. But there are definitely some where you really start to scratch your head, like, what what did you possibly see that the rest of the world didn't but whatever yeah like what are we really doing here like especially with the with this one like i get it i i i'm I'm sure the people that were there were kind of going crazy for cub if they were going crazy for anyone but even then it's like the the moment shouldn't affect the 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 judges that much i mean it is what it is like like i said we're going to get a lot of these fights that are close enough that, like, I, I guess I can see it. Like, this, there's a difference between this and a robbery, in my opinion, as far as, like, it being just an egregious decision. Um, but it does feel kind of weird, right, where in a fight where you thought someone clearly won, where all three judges scored for the other guy. Like, that, that is very weird for me, at least. Um, but it was a close enough fight, right? That's always the argument, right? I feel like after... These fights, that's where we always end up. Like, eh, it was a close enough fight. It could have went either either way, which feels a little bit like a cop-out to me, especially because I feel like the majority of people are on the side saying Hakeem got robbed, well, got got the shit end of the stick, so to speak. But I I wouldn't consider it a robbery. I don't think it was that one-sided, right? Uh, You could see the argument, which at this point, like you said, if that's as bad as it gets, that we can see the argument to a certain extent. Like, this is not uh Pacquiao Bradley right as far as just uh, what how the hell did he get that scorecard um it isn't that bad right so there's levels to this shit and hopefully we don't have anything at all like this for 292 but before we move on last thing I just wanted to mention these two because I thought they were pretty standout performances Martin Boudet over Josh Parisian, man. That was one hell of a knockout, a fight that I thought no matter what was going to decision with the way that Josh Parisian has fought tough, really, in all his UFC fights up to this point. Uh, but, man, Martin, Martin Boudet landed some strikes, felt it, and was like, you know what? I'm just going to drown this dude. And it was so crazy to see any modern-day UFC fighter uh, gas within three, two and a half minutes. It's, it's how I felt. Um, I didn't expect it to go the way it went. I was expecting Boudet to win, but obviously I didn't expect it to to feel like the fight should have ended by the three minute mark. Um, that felt weird to me. It it is weird when you see stuff like that. But again, you know, heavyweights heavyweights can do that. But Boudet looked like on a completely different level than Josh that night. Like he just looked way different like they shouldn't have been in, in the same octagon i think boudet is going to get his, himself a, a nice opponent in his next one because he deserves it like that was a great performance 
looking back because I kept checking after each and every fight, like did, uh, did I pick this one? Like I, that's why I had to text you, like Yo, send me, just send me the list because I'm looking for the fights that we didn't pick at the same time, and then those are the ones I'm focusing on the most to see if you didn't pick them. And but unfortunately, we, we had the same pick, so we. we... <laughs> but still, great. He's like, I'm just trying to find my edge here. Yeah, no, yeah, that's exactly. funny. That, that, that one and the Terrence McKinney fight, like I, yeah. I loved when Terrence came. Terrence looked incredible. That that's what we, yep. that's what we know with Terrence McKinney. That's that's the fighter we know. And and Breeden looked to be in good shape too. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, but... no, definitely. And so I, I went into the fight like, okay, it's gonna be a little bit of a tougher one. Uh, McKinney's doing this on short notice, but he that was the fight he wanted. That was the fight he likes to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. And I forgot. I always forget the guy he just fought. His his name. Um, Which but one? he. The, hit, the fight, not not on Saturday. The one he had two weeks before that. Um, um, no, 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 Nazim, Nazim Sadikov. Uh, Nazim, yeah, yeah. Nazim, Sorry, they're yeah. they're on the same team here. Yeah, God damn it, Nazim, Nazim. So yeah, but, but that one was Nazim took him into a place where he that is not his game at all. Yeah, at all. So that's what you got to. A lot of fighters do that. If they take you out of your element, you, you got no shot. And yeah. I think Terrence saw Mike and was like. This is my fight. This is a fight I know I can be myself, and he absolutely showed it. Like, so I hope now, you know, now with the win here, you know, you you erase your two fight losing streak, losing three or four. I hope now he could start to uh, backpack off of it and and get another nice fight. But at the same time, Terrence McKinney kind of worries me because you know it kind of shows that he's really just a one style fighter, and the second he gets anyone that's not in his style, it could be a long night for him. It's so weird, too, because you would think, right, someone that has the offensive game within itself, right, we don't see guys like Alistair Overeem getting guillotined, right? Yeah, we don't see guys who are known for certain submissions getting submitted by that sub, right? Like, you you trained it enough, you would think you have an understanding of the offensive side that you'll be able to complement it with the defensive side, right? T-Rex got some nice rear naked chokes on his record, man. And he clearly knows how to navigate those positions. Um, it really is just a, an efficiency thing. And that's what trips me out the most about him. Um, he's such a good fighter, man. He's such a good fighter. And every time he fights, he displays that potential for those first three minutes. Like, those first three minutes, Terrence McKinney is fucking coming. And it's it's going to be dangerous for people who aren't on that same level to withstand that like even um against drew dober man he almost put drew dober out early in that one and he just comes out on fire which is not a bad thing right like i feel like it definitely puts you in a a certain bracket right as far as people being expecting of those things um but if he could find a way to keep those bursts in his game but make them more reliable and also not look so uncomfortable when he's not in that kind of fight. Like, I feel like if he can just stay calm, prevent himself from getting into full on rage mode and just burst in space, like over and over again, I feel like he can literally sustain most fights, just keeping guys outside, letting his offense go and then keeping him at bay from there. Like, I feel like if he was fine with being on the outside for longer than two seconds and not just charging in, um, it'll, it'll help him a lot. 
I, I just feel like a lot of it with him is experience, right? Like no matter who he fights, you're going to be in for it. You're going to be in for a tough one. Um, but if you can outlast that, everything just starts falling apart, man. Um, I, I think I tweeted one time, like three fights ago now when he lost. Um, and he's like, <laughs> I'm like, man, this dude just literally fucks people up until his body just gives in on him. Like li- until, until he's out there damaging people so bad that his body gives up on itself. Um, so I, I think the potential is very real. I think this is someone that stays in the UFC for a long time. Right. Um, I just would love to see him fully actualize his potential and figure out how to navigate navigate those in-between spaces where he's not absolutely blitzing people and destroying them. Um, if he can stay calm in those in-between phases, man, I think he is no doubt a lock for the top 15. Um, but if he keeps imploding the way we've seen him implode, um, I won't be surprised if he's out the UFC in a few fights. It's just, it's so weird because it's like at this level in, this division at 155, like good luck finding people to fight that you're you're gonna be able to blow out the water like that. Like it, it just it doesn't go that way. And the deeper you go in this division, <laughs> yeah, how dare you, bro? That that was <laughs> fucked up. That that actually wow, because he's not even that kind of fighter. Man, that hurt. That hurt so, that all was right, just man, a personal right. dig at me. And I, you know right. what? I'll take it. I'll take it. Man, I, I think he's one of the funnest people to watch just because you know the the storm is coming. It, it might not exactly. last for a long time, uh, but it's coming for sure. You know it's a good fight. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask you too, you know, while we wrap this up, we have to talk about the main event here. And uh, how did you feel about how the main event went? Did you did you feel it should have went to RDA here? I felt I felt it was a good decision. I think Luke had had just done enough, and uh, with all the takedowns and the mm-hmm. constant um, grappling and, and control time, I For just sure. felt Luke had done enough. Especially those first three rounds, I really felt Luke had done enough. And you know, I felt RDA was trying to you know uh, push the pressure a little bit. And I felt if the fight had one more round, I felt like it could have obviously went a whole nother way. All great points, man. I think. I think this fight wouldn't have frustrated me as much as it did if I didn't pick RDA. Like, I feel like I was really angry during this fight. Oh, I was so, uh, I was so happy. Was just because like, yeah, it yeah, felt, yeah, look at this guy. Just, just, just once again, I yeah, can't yeah, wait. I can't wait until uh, until the next time I win, right? Just so I could, you know, just remind you throughout throughout all the, <laughs> every chance I get just how good it felt. But um, <laughs> I got to take the wins where I can, man. <laughs> I feel you. Hey, you're only two games back, man. That's not a far way back. Um, but For while now. I was watching this fight, it just felt like, to me at least, and maybe this is once again just me being biased, right? But I felt like RDA was having much more success on the feet than he felt like he was. Like, I felt like he would land a couple shots and then immediately go in for a takedown. And and I, full disclosure, right, I round-robbed some bets on him to win, RDA to win by by submission. Uh, because I thought his best path to victory would be on the ground. Now, clearly, Luke has been working in those phases, and you love to see someone come out and and really show that they've improved in a certain area, right? That's all great. I'm not trying to shade anyone. But to me, it just felt like RDA was putting himself in a bad position and then would end up being controlled for two to three minutes after that because of the the inherent need to shoot for a takedown against the fence, which 
I mean, that is trademark patented RDA, right? So I guess this is my fault, right? I should have seen this coming. Um, but at the same time, I just feel like when you know that something hasn't worked these last X amount of times that you've done it, and you are sort of putting some doubt in your opponent on the feet. To me, I was just, I, I, by the time I was on the fourth round, I was like that that fucking clip of Connor watching the fights <laughs> uh, for, for the, the ultimate fighter where he's like, stay on your feet. Like that, that was me. I, I was that guy watching this fight towards the end where it just really soured the experience for me. So um, I agree with everything you said though. Great performance by Luke a, just sort of a, this wasn't the silent assassin, right? This wasn't uh vintage Luke a in that way, but uh, to get to come across and get a win against someone um, who is a historical figure in the sport, right? Uh, I, I thought he came across really well. Um, I, th- I thought it was clear that he wasn't himself, though. And I hope in future fights that isn't as apparent, right? Because I feel like against other guys, especially at 170, um, I don't think it's going to be that simple, right? And to see him regress in this matchup uh, was, and, and still come out with the win. Uh, it feels a little weird, right? Cause not sure how many people go back to the drawing board the same way they would for an L in fights that they do win. Um, so I, I hope Luke is looking at this one like that and just acknowledging like, Hey, we won here. Um, but we still got a lot more to, um, a lot more to go. If we plan on making a push to this division. I'm curious to see what happens with RDA though. And what, what his future is moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I think better suited at 155. Obviously, that's such a terrible cut for him that I just at this point make 165. God damn it. Make it a division. Let let these guys fight in a, a more appropriate division for their size, because Luke is not some huge welterweight, but he looked much bigger than RDA in this fight. <laughs> And I think that was clearly what made the difference as far as their skills. Like, I feel like even if um, it was a little bit more comparable as far as size, RDA would have had an easier time. But just in the grappling phases specifically, that size was just too much. So uh, I would like to see him either go down or literally at this point not even try to fight people in the top 15. Like, if you're going to fight at 170, fight guys like, I don't know, People on the fringe, right? People on the outside of the top 15. Not necessarily people that are surging, but like older names. I don't know, maybe people like Matt Brown or things like that. Uh, just so that you're not really a, a part of that upper echelon of the division, right? And putting yourself in a position to get destroyed if you're going to stay at 170. I just feel like there's no point at this point. You, you We already see kind of how far we're going to go here. Uh, but who knows? Maybe maybe a RDA reassurance is on the menu coming up, but uh feels bad, man. Feels bad for sure to, to see him come out come out with the L there. Yes, sir. Are you ready? Oh man, I'm I was born ready. UFC right. 292. That's right. Our main event, Aljamain Sterling versus Sean O'Malley. Can't believe it is finally here. The fight that for a while, I wasn't sure if it was going to happen, right? Like, after after Aljo's fight with uh, Henry, he was like, damn, what, why are you guys trying to rush me into this? What if I'm injured? And I'm like, man, that's a valid point. Um, I don't like the way Aljo has been treated, and I'm sure that's going to factor into our discussion of this. Um, but why don't we just fucking do it like this? You know what? We're going top to bottom on this one. We usually go bottom to top. We're going top to bottom. Let's start our fucking discussions here on 292. Wow. Um, okay. I I, I, I love 
I love this fight for many, many reasons. But the yeah. main reason, the main reason why um, I'm really interested in seeing this one is because, in my opinion, no matter how Aljamain Sterling has, tries to paint this one, this event is made for Sean O'Malley. This this is a christening moment. This is the UFC putting all their chips in the basket and saying, man, I hope our guy wins. And tell me I'm wrong. I mean, Aljo has already admitted, right, that he's going up to 145 after this fight. I think the UFC personally really dislikes when people leave their title on the table. They want to either see you die or see you retire. They don't want to see a, a, a belt get vacated. So with all those factors being considered, the fact that you rushed your champion, right, to come back and defend the belt against someone who's been out for a year plus, very clear what you're trying to do here, right? So that makes it very interesting. As far as the actual fight, I don't think it's an interesting fight. I think it's on all regular things being considered. I think Aljamain Sterling should be minus 400. Um, I think he should be a clear favorite in this matchup, just given the way their styles match up. Um, but because of all these outside factors, right, I think it makes more sense why things are reined in a little bit here. Um, if you ask me, and this may sound like me being stupid here, I'm going to pick Aljamain Sterling here as my official pick. Um, but I won't bet him. Like, if I'm going to bet anybody, it's Sean O'Malley. The fact that he's that much of an underdog in a fight where you can clearly see his path to victory, right? Like, I see two of them. I don't think it's just knockout or bust for Sean O'Malley here. I think we could see a scenario where he gets dominated the first two rounds, gets weared on, and we sort of think, hey, it might be over here. Uh, but then through the up and down, right, um, we see Aljamain Sterling sort of not necessarily fade, uh, but throughout the fight, obviously, it's harder to maintain that level of control. So I'm interested to see how that plays out long term. I I don't have the cojones to make the pick. I think it's going to be Aljamain. I think it might even be by submission. Um, but there's some some sneaky avenues here where I could see Sean O'Malley leave with the belt, man. So I'm curious. How do you feel about this one? Almost exactly how you feel, except I see that there's almost no shot here. Wow, really? Um, yeah, I'm just not because all right, let's think about this realistically, like in Sean O'Malley's career. Right? It, it's kind of a weird one, but he's got no five round experience. And I think it could start off slow. Maybe Sean O'Malley starts off let's just I'm thinking best case scenario for Sean O'Malley. Right. Obviously he can knock him out in the first round, that's the best case, but um <laughs> I see a situation where Sean O'Malley is a in realistic I would think he's more of like a top ten fighter. Top twelve right now. The Jan fight still gets me because I felt at the end of it all Jan won that fight. Thought it was close, but I thought Jan had won. Mm -hmm. And even with what Peter Jan had become now, like we look at Jan with the with the big losing streak, and you know, oh, is he is he the same fighter losing three of you know four or five losing three in a row? I don't know, but you know, before that, the Pedro Munoz fight ended in a no contest. Like, obviously, there's not much to take away from that, but if 
fact that Pedro like faked his injury and all that nonsense. I don't think he believe. faked that. I don't think yes, he faked he it. Yes, he did. He was winning. He Why would he fake thing. an injury when he's when he, you're winning? He, he was winning. He held the left eye, and then in the interview the next morning, he's holding the right eye. I don't want to hear it. He faked that whole thing. No, he had no idea no what sense. He Why? Why would you fake it? Because it you makes don't want to zero be sense, bro. You don't want to be in there. That's bullshit. You don't want to be in I, there. I will never take that for an answer. These dudes are professional <laughs> fighters, bro. Like they, this is what the fuck they do. But nah, and, and in a fight there. where he was winning, why would he not want to be there? It's not like Sean yeah, cracked him. Winning for the first, he was winning for the first, first two round. rounds. I, know, I gave he, him he both of them. The whole thing. I gave him both. Hey, That's uh, crazy I, to me, bro. I lost. I lost all respect. <laughs> <laughs> and I like Pedro, but no, nah, realistically, like you really didn't get much from that fight, right? Sean O'Malley looked a little gun shy. He wasn't really. He really couldn't get his footing. Um, you know, he couldn't really find what he was looking for. I felt like he was very uncomfortable. Pedro was making it very uncomfortable for him, and that's why he started off slow. Yeah, Sean O'Malley's starting to put on, you know, put it on towards the end. Uh, before obviously the eye poke, but um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it was very very weird. And then you know, going from what was he fourteen to fighting Jan at one or thirteen, I forgot what he was. Mm-hmm. And in that fight, you know, you really have zero five round experience. So if Aljamain really wanted to, like. He could just gas out Sean O'Malley within the third round. And I think Sean O'Malley's got incredible boxing. I really do. But I feel like Al Jermaine has seen the best of the best. Maybe not at their primes, but I, I believe that Sean O'Malley does not have championship-level experience yet. And with the only time you got a taste of it was a fight where I felt he, he had lost. And um, you know, Against Jan, you're saying? Yeah, against Jan. Because Jan was a champion. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, now until we see him in five rounds, which I, I just don't, I think this is going to be a come-up story for Sean, where this is like the first taste, and then he's going to really want it, and then you'll start to see a different fighter. And I think he can still be a championship-level fighter. I just think this is like the that first roadblock for him, where he's going to get a title fight experience, he's going to get five rounds, and it's going to not go the way he planned. Then he could start to come up. Then he's going to start to face, you know, top five talent. And then we'll see. Let's see how he does against a Corey Sanhagen, a Rob Font, a, you know, Marab, all those type of guys. But I just think this is kind of a humongous jump to fighting a champion. And I think we're going to see that real quick. I I, I look forward more to the, to the you know, the prelims and, and – the other cards on the main instead of this one, I think this one could end within the second or third round by submission for, for Aljamain. That's that's my pick. Wow. I like it. I like how sure you are about this. because uh, it makes how, like, it's starting to make though. me feel it's starting to make me feel like Sean O'Malley's about to knock this guy out. So <laughs> Well, hey, I hope so. But you know, I, I'm looking at it as like realistically, how good do you think Sean O'Malley's wrestling really is? And after having a year off, right? Like can it can it be enough to that if he gets taken down by Aljamain, can he get back up? Right? Can he do it? Do you believe in it right here, right now? They're fighting tonight, right? He gets taken down. Can Sean O'Malley get back up? I think it depends on the context. And and hear yeah. me out on this. I don't think him getting up is the only way he can win the moment if that makes sense yeah, i think sure. i think he can be controlled specifically in that back mount position 
for two rounds straight and not be the worst of where for it, if that makes sense. I think if it's straight top control, now we got problems, right? Like that that's a different conversation. Um, I do think no matter how this goes, at some point, Al Jermaine will fail a takedown. We've seen him fail takedowns many times before. Yeah. Um, Sean does attack guillotines. Do I think he's going to get Aljo in a guillotine? Not at all. Uh, but it makes cram it, it forces scrambles, right? And I, I think that'll we'll see situations like that. Um, I don't think he's gonna be just fucking Yoel Romero against the fence, just preventing takedowns. Um, I, I think it's gonna be bad. I think there will be moments where he just gets blown over by the wind, quite quite literally. Um, but the real case is late, right? The real case is late. I think if there's any of these guys who's going to have a harder time or look more uncomfortable dealing with their opponent's best positions, in my opinion, it's Aljo. It isn't Sean O'Malley, regardless of how good Aljamain is on the ground. Um, I think we've seen him there, right? Although we haven't seen him against top level grapplers, wrestlers, whatever. Um, we have seen him in those positions and be able to at least uh, work his way to his feet, even if it takes him longer than we would imagine. Um, I just think the real stock needs to be in understanding that Aljo cannot wrestle for 25 minutes straight. I think if you if you take the fight with that understanding, there will be times where Sean O'Malley is able to get up and evade those those attempts, in my opinion. I just don't think it'll make it to the 20, 25 minutes. Like I, I think Aljamain is so good in wrestling. Not he's not all time. Like I'm not looking at him like he's the greatest. I think he's a, he's a, he deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think I have not seen enough from Sean O'Malley's wrestling or grappling to make me believe that you know taking this year off and whatever he's learned that that's going to be enough. Because obviously you're going into the game plan, right? Where Sean O'Malley's game plan and, you know, his coaches are probably telling him, you know, the best way to have takedown defense and, you know, what to do in this position and whatever. And he's an incredible, incredible boxer, like I said before. So I think it's going to be an interesting fight in the beginning. It's it's eventually, though, when it gets to the ground, because it's going to get to the ground. How how quickly can or how comfortable can Sean be to get himself back up? And get himself back into a comfortable position because Aljamain is is deadly everywhere. You know, once on the ground, that's you know, now you're in his world. And I want to see how Sean O'Malley does. You know, from the third, fourth, and fifth round on, if it even gets there, if if he can get into the championship level rounds, how Sean O'Malley's cardio, how you know his stamina, I want to see him in you know uh, uh, deep waters there where Aljamain has been five, six times already before. Hey, it's all, all fair points. I agree with you. I think that we are going to get some answers here. I just don't think it's going to be that one-sided. Like, I, I cannot I imagine a world where it's that one-sided. I, I hope not, because Aljamain looks absolutely ripped to the gills right now. He looks incredible. And he's already waiting to eat, to fight at featherweight. And uh, this could open the door for his buddy Marab and all that. And, you know, it, that'll be interesting. So I think this this could probably be the proper send-off. I think no matter what, this is Aljamain's last fight. Um, 
maybe as a champion, but as a at one thirty five, I think I don't know what they're gonna do with Aljamain. If they're gonna just start him back off at featherweight and remove the remove the belt, or give him a champ champ fight with with Volkanovski. I feel like that's probably the fight to make so that you can hype it up a little more. Yeah, but uh. Eh. It, it, at least it's interesting, you know. It, it'll be fun. Bantamweight division is so deadly, so impactful that every fighter that in the bantamweight division is going to be killer. So, you know, no matter what happens here, it, the bantamweight division is going to is fully intact, and it, it'll be fine without Aljamain Sterling. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think they're def. I think they will miss him though. I kind of wish yeah. the whole situation with Marab wasn't a thing, just so we can get yeah. an idea. Because I don't think he leaves this division if it wasn't the case, right? Yeah. And I think it's always better to play it out, right? To have an idea of who the actual best fighter in the division is. I think if we see that fight happen, I think Marab wins that fight. To be honest, um, so just the way their styles match up, um. But I don't know, man. I, I, I've I been wrong on Aljamain a lot of times in the past. <laughs> Trust me, I won't be surprised if I'm wrong here. Um, it's just so weird, right? Seeing someone have the kind of run that he had, right, where the potential was always there, but it always felt like he fell short in those big moments. And we've seen him fail in like incredibly right just the 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 huge knockout from Marlon Marais to name the the worst of them all right um but he's always come back better always has looked better right so there's no reason to sort of downplay him based off of those things it's just I don't know what it is man I really don't feel comfortable picking someone who openly talks about now that he's having a bad time at this weight class right um Against the primary striker, who, what what goes first, right? In a fight where you are compromised in those ways, I would imagine it's your ability to push the the pace. And I just see a lot of different ways this fight becomes competitive down the down the road. So I'm staying away. I'm staying away. Um, I I think if you look at this fight as anything like more than either one of these guys can get their path to victory, then it's kind of like, eh, you're going to be sweating. Trust, you're going to be sweating. Um, I definitely am picking out Jermaine Sterling to win here. Um, but I think, is the world ready for a Sean O'Malley title reign? I don't think so. I think I think if he wins this, the delusional confidence, this is literally the second coming of McGregor. This would be equivalent, in my opinion, to beating a challenge like Jose Aldo. and. I would imagine the only way you're actually going to do it would be a similar way, right? Some sort of fluke, um, big shot or a big moment that just changes the trajectory of the fight. Um, but I'm not counting him out in this one. I, I just, I can't. Yeah, well, we'll see. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, our co-main events, the title fight that nobody wanted, but somehow we ended up with. <laughs> uh Zhang Wei Li defending her belt against Amanda Lemos. Um, personally, I feel like Lemos has not done enough to deserve a title fight. I think there's more de- deserving fighters in this weight class. Um, but once again, one of those things, right? Uh, survive in advance. Uh, you're going to get a title fight. It is what it is. I, I've been loving what I've been seeing lately um, from both of these women. So I got I to gotta throw it to you on that one, Sean, and ask. How do you see this fight playing out, and who are you going with? Zhang. 
<laughs> Zhang. Round two knockout. Wow. Um, yes. Nice that easy, score. huh? Yeah. Uh, see, like I'm, and I'm a fan of Amanda. I am. I just, I have not seen enough to be like, you know what? This girl, she deserves a title shot. I never had that thought until they threw this together. And I think, okay, I'm not taking away from anything Amanda's done, right? Even though I kind of just did. I'm, I'm almost certain that they kind of threw this fight in to give Zhang a fight now. You know, with Rose doing her thing, but Jan's not ready yet. Um, and, and obviously, don't ever do that fight with Carlos Esparza again. Uh, as long as that never happens, I'm good there. You know, yeah. like there's still, like those those are the top three guys, top three women in the division, mm-hmm. and so I think there's still fights to be made there. And because there was so many, so much uncertainty regarding 292 and and getting Zhang Wei Li a fight, I think that's why they did this. Mm-hmm. Kind of build the resume, get the redstone on you know on the thing. <laughs> I think almost everyone believes Wei Li will win this one. She was, you know, before Rose kicked her in the head. I don't think anyone picked Rose that first fight. And, mm. You know, the way she had dominated Jessica Andrade to win the belt, the way that she put on one of the best, if not the best, women's fight of all time against uh, Joanna. You know, like she was like already she had become like, who is this? Like, everyone knew, but like, OK, she's real deal. Like the way she absolutely obliterated Andrade within 42 seconds and then had one of the biggest wars against Joanna, like. It, it created a lot. And then obviously it got tainted when she lost to, to Rose and, the you know, by the head kick and then the split decision lost to her in the rematch. But. You know, like I am, I think Whaley is is real deal. Now that she's back, and uh, you know, on this two fight win streak, beating Carlo because Carlo is not a great fighter, and um, you know, beating Joanna after the comeback, I, I believe that she's gonna roll right through Amanda. I really do. And then I wonder what I, I'm assuming Jan would be next for her. I really wish Rose three would be the fight next, but Rose I think is done in this division. So. Um, it's a it's. I think this is like a stepping stone. To be honest with you, not to be rude, but I just you know I've been I've said some outlandish things and I've been proven wrong completely before. <laughs> but I think this one is kind of um for both of these title fights. I feel like these are stepping stones into building their legacy, and uh, mm-hmm. I think you know this is gonna be it's gonna be a pretty dominant fight for for Zhang Weili. Man, the Carlos Barza slander hurts my heart, right? Because I hate to be the guy to make the case. I hate to be the guy. Yeah, I hate to be the guy to make the case, right? Because that was one of the worst fights ever. Probably the worst fight ever. Um, but I'm a fan of her game. I think I think she is clearly one of the 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 best in this division, the upper echelon of this division. So I won't give her as much hate. Excited to see her come back after giving birth to a beautiful young baby whenever that happens. But um, as far as this matchup, man, I tend to agree with you. I don't think we're in for some sort of blockbuster event. <laughs> um, I I picked Rose going into the first fight and then, funny enough, picked Zang going into the second. So I was just all over the board with that one. Um, 
I think I learned a lot from the Carla Sparza fight as far as her advancements and Zhang Wiley just doing the right things in fights, which earlier on, it didn't always feel that way, right? I mean, approaching a Jessica Andrade fight by just going, wading straight into the fire, going power shot for power shot for her, that didn't sound like a good idea to me. And as it was playing out, it, I was like, what the fuck? Oh, Oh, it's working, right? Like it wasn't it wasn't like a immediate okay, she's dominant, she's going to get a knockout here. It was kind of like why would you fight fire with fire like this when this hasn't been your style? And hey, it worked out, right? So you can't talk too much shit. Um, but seeing the way she won against Esparza really showed the the growth in her game planning, the growth in her understanding of what she's expected to do on the night in order to get the best outcome. And I think that just means absolute trouble for all the other women in this weight class. I think there are dangerous fights for Wei Li Zhang on the horizon. Um, don't get me wrong, but I definitely agree. I think this one is going to be more one-sided. I really don't know why they made this fight, man, or what merit they have. I mean, I get it. She's coming off of a submission win. That was nice, right? Um, shout out to Marina Rodriguez. I'm a fan of hers as well, but didn't feel like a title shot worthy performance in my opinion. So kind of surprised we're even here right now, but um, I'm going to go with Zhang Wiley pretty confidently. Um, but at the same time, like I don't see the way this, this becomes a competitive fight. Like even if I, even if Amanda Lemos wins, in my opinion, I think it might be just something quick and, and fast out the gate, right? Like we've seen in the Rose fight, right? Like I feel like, we haven't really seen her losing fights beyond the second Rose fight. Like we haven't really seen her in there, not getting her way. Um, so I can see a situation where if Amanda Lemos can catch her or put her in a bad position early, things can snowball. Um, but I think no matter what, this is going to be a one-sided fight. And I'd much rather have a, a Wei Li Zhang ticket than have a Amanda Lemos at the end of the fight. So um, definitely going Amanda, uh, uh, Zhang whoa, Wei Li. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely going with Zhang Weili, um, but I just, I feel weird about it. Like, I feel very confident in picking both these champions on the night and them surviving and advancing, um, but I just feel like something weird is going to happen. I, I can't put my finger on it. I'm not going to pick it, uh, but there's it. something weird in the air here in Boston. Pick it. Believe yeah. it. <laughs> Go for it. I, it's, I, like I said, I felt like this was... Um... Kind of like a a fight that you had to make and work perfectly for some for the timelines of Zhang Weili and Amanda Limos and like you know the fact that they were both capable of fighting right now and I, I think you know I remember when when Jan won her fight and people were already trying to push her too early for this card and I think they didn't want to do it and she didn't want to do it and I think that is what's really what's next and then. Uh, go from there, but I think you had to make this fight to kind of give Whaley a title shot because, like, it doesn't make any sense to have it in Boston. Like, it, it literally doesn't it doesn't fit the narrative at all. Like, granted, this card yeah. isn't the the most stacked cards of all time, but it's I think it's a perfect timing for Whaley, and then from here going to fight, and then I think her next two fights are going to be pretty dangerous. Uh, with that being said. We have Sean's favorite fighter, Ian Machado Gary, 
coming up against Neil Magny after, obviously, of course, the initial matchup was set to be Jeff Neal. Um, I'm disappointed we didn't get to see that fight, man. Um, as far as how I think this fight's going to go, um, not really sure. Um, I, he and Gary is a monstrous favorite, right? I can't couldn't believe that line when I saw it for the Too first much time. Too much of a favorite. Minus four fifty five is actually insane. Um, yeah, it's too much. As far as their skills, though, on the feet, I get it, right? Like, I, I definitely get it. Neil Magny just isn't someone that's easy to overwhelm, and that that's what really troubles me about this matchup. I have been the resident Ian Gary hater since day one. I've been like, he's wow. gonna get exposed at some point. Wow. And I've picked him to to lose in the past three fights, honestly. Um, Do it a fourth. Huh? Do it a fourth. Hey, let me Pick get against there. against him right now. Let me get there, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm still making the case here, goddammit. Um, as far as this... Me. All right, this specific matchup, right? No matter how I slice it, I, I think... Neil Magny is going to get fucked up in the first round. Like, I, I just think it's going to be bad. But I think the path to victory for Neil Magny is really sticking out that first round, getting active in the clinch, especially as the fight goes on, and just doing Neil Magny shit. Like, that is a Neil Magny performance, if you ask me, right? You get him in the clinch, you make it so close that nobody really has an idea of who won. <laughs> and then you have the best chance of winning, right? Um I'm not going to do it here. I think if this was Jeff Neal, I would have done it. Um, I just can't bring myself to do it. I would never include Ian Gary in any parlays here. This number just makes no sense to me. Like, I I, I cannot rationalize it in my head. I, I am picking Ian Gary here, so I sound like a fucking hypocrite, right? Um, but something about this fight just doesn't sit right with me, and I feel like it, maybe if it was... Um, not short notice. I would feel a little bit differently, but I just think Ian Gary's set up to to survive in advance here. I don't think this is going to be a fun fight. I don't think he's going to get a knockout. Um, I just think he's going to hurt Magny early. M maybe not get the knockout, but cruise to a decision from there. Uh, you could talk me into Neil Magny winning by decision, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get burnt again. Give me Ian Gary by decision. I think Neil Magny is... I'm going with Ian Gary as well. But I'm going with Ian Gary because I feel... Well, one, I think he if this fight had given both fighters a full camp, and if they went with... Because this is what Ian Gary wanted from, from Jump. He wanted Neil Magny. And I think he's been prepared for Neil, and you know I think he's wanted this type of fight. To get a, a guy like Neil, who is one of the... you know From what I've heard, one of the nicest guys in the whole UFC, who takes on any fight at any time. He does not care. He just wants to fight. I love guys like this. So I have nothing but respect for Neil. Um, I hate when I see fights that are short notice, though, because like, it's, it's exciting to keep the fight alive, sure. But it, you'll never, you're not going to see, like, no matter what, you're never going to see 100% of Neil Magny in this fight. You know, you need a full camp. To get or Ian Gary. Yeah, and, and same thing. And um, I think Ian's going to be uh, – the, the odds are, are really ridiculous. Like, even if they were 350 odds, I would still think it was a little ridiculous. But um, I think this fight is going to be really competitive in the first round. I do. I think this is going to be 
uh, a really tough fight. I've seen Ian Gary get clipped and his eyes roll back a little bit and, you know, being able to, to stay alive and, you know, come back with the win. I think he's a little overhyped in the moment, even though I, I love Machado Gary. I think he's a little overhyped with how great he dominated uh, Daniel Rodriguez. Yeah. The whole weight cut thing with Daniel Rodriguez. He was never, he wasn't, he wasn't right. Like he, D-Rod was never in, in the right space. And um, Machado Gary with his YouTube and giving him the pizza. Like I thought that was hilarious. Like yeah. he's a, that, that's, that is such a clown character act. I love that. And uh, you know what? He's starting to show his face more. He's starting to become like a big name to the UFC. Like he was, yep. everyone compared him to Connor because Obviously, Ireland and all that, but now he's starting. And to he was himself. recycling his lines, quite literally yeah. reciting his lines, just playing the greatest hits of Conor McGregor out there every time. Uh, and he and I get it. That's why you know, I hate him. Not that many Irish fighters. There's not. So if he's coming in and, and and being dominant like he is, there's not that many ranked Irish fighters out there. So you know, you you can you have the gateway to get you there. You, you saw it. You saw it at the highest of levels. So. I, I like this for uh for Ian Gary and you know what I I like this fight I think what I'm looking forward to this in this fight is round two because I think Neil Magny is going to be high pressure and he's going to really shake things up for Ian Gary he's going to have to have a not a new game plan but he's going to have to shake things up I I think he's looking at this like it's a little bit of an easier fight. And I think he, like, the way he looked at that D-Rod, like, I thought it was going to be a tougher fight, but he obviously knew something I didn't. And Neil Magny's a dog, man. Like, he takes any fight anywhere. He fights anyone, you know, and he's beaten the best. He beat D-Rod in, in a darts choke. So, like, he's seen him as well. And, you know, like, his biggest losses, uh, or his last couple losses, obviously, are to the top, top guys of Shavkat and Gilbert Burns and, you know, like, the top of, of the division. But he's just beaten Phil Rowe, like, so I think this is exactly where Neil Magny is. I now I'm curious to see if Ian Machado Gary can take his level and go to the next level. Can he be a top seven guy, a top five guy in this welterweight division? And I think because of short notice, it makes it a little easier for him. But I still think Ian Gary wins. Uh, I'm not gonna. I usually would always. I like to always go by knockout here, and I think it can be a knockout definitely, uh, like a TKO. But I'm gonna go with unanimous decision, either 30-27 or 29-28. Yeah, it's a good call, man. I just think it's so hard to fight Neil Magny, period, but especially to, to finish him. I feel like a lot of people have tried. Off the top of my head, uh, the only people that really come to mind that knocked him out were, um, what's this guy's name? Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, yeah. shout, out, shout, out to, shout out to the Argentine dagger, baby. Five years um, ago. Yeah, literally, literally. So, yeah, it's one of the more durable fighters in the UFC. So, should be a fun one, no matter what. Next up, we've got someone coming in as a late replacement. We've got Mario Bautista, who was originally slated to face Cody Garbrandt. Kind of thankful that we didn't get that one. Coming up against Damone Blackshear, <laughs> who we spoke about earlier after just being triumphant with a beautiful twister win. Just said, you know what? Fuck it. Send me to Boston, halfway across America. Let's do the damn thing. Uh, Got to respect, right, the, the balls and the willingness to do something like this. Definitely came all across relatively unscathed, despite getting buzzed there for a second. I will hold that to the day I die. But I'm really interested to see how this fight plays out. As far as 
like the matchup, I think no matter what, I'm going Mario Bautista here. I was picking Mario Bautista to win against Cody Garbrandt, so not a lot changes here for me. I just think Mario Bautista is so fucking good, man. You couldn't have convinced me that he would have become this kind of fighter when he fought Cody Sanhagen back in the day. And I think maybe we got sort of uh, the wrong impression just because of how good Corey is, right? Made him look amateurish out there. So the, the expectations were so low, but man, he's really grown into his frame at 135. The dude is huge for this bantamweight division. And with his skill set complementing, being complemented by his, his size, um, I think no matter what, this was a really tough matchup for Damone Blackshear. Um, I think... I think if there is enough, I think it will be on the ground. I don't think Damone's going to like hurt him on the feet or anything like that. I just feel like he could put him in weird positions and scrambles. And maybe even I saw him yanking at um, Jose Johnson's shoulder at one point in exchanges, right? Like maybe just trying to do something just to damage Mario Bautista so that later on in exchanges, now you're injured, right? So I could see something like that happening. Um, but I think it's relatively easy for me to make my pick here. I'm going Mario Bautista, most likely by ground and pound finish. That is my thoughts. Yeah, I, I got I got Mario Bautista just because of obviously a super short notice by here. And it's a it's a it's a win for the uh for I'm not gonna say for Blackshear no matter what. Like I think, you know, to take this fight on short notice, this only builds your stock more. You know, even if you take the loss, it's a win for you. Either way, and I think for Blackshear, this this puts him in a higher ranking. And I think for Batista, I think if this was Cody Garbrandt, I still would have favored him. And I, I just feel I feel Batista's on a completely different level than Blackshear anyway, mm -hmm. right now. And especially on short notice, this could probably be one of the quicker fights. Like this is the when I saw the um, when I saw the odds, I thought that. He was 455 favorite, not he and Gary. Hmm. So like I was like, okay, that makes sense. But this is a lot closer than I thought it would be, even though it's not that close. So to keep it short, yes, I think Mario gets it done. I actually think this is going to be by submission, um, either late in the first round or early in the second. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Our next fight, the the first fight on the main card, most likely. We've got Marlon Chito Vera. Shout out the GOAT was originally supposed to be fighting Henry Cejudo here, but gets Pedro Munoz on late notice. Uh, right now is a minus 205 favorite to Pedro plus 164. Sean, I'm going to oop this one to you. I can't wait to hear how you think this fight plays out because I got some hot takes on this one. So how are you feeling about this fight? Well, the fact that I uh, I said how I felt about Pedro Munoz not too long ago... Um... I the fraud fraud Joe Munoz. Yeah. I'm just you know what it is. It's just I'm not convinced of Pedro anymore. I was a big fan of him back in the day. You know, I think the last time I actually had faith in him was when he beat Cody, and that was before I knew what Cody had was was starting to become. And um, damn, that hurt even hearing you say it. Yeah, well, sorry. You know, it is what it is. But you know, like I've you seen know. him get, I've seen him get rolled around through the best of them. You know, the losing to Aljamain, losing to Frankie Edgar at the time, and then Jose Aldo, Dominic Cruz, and then the Sean O'Malley runaway, you know, eye poke nonsense. But I'm not going to, you know, whatever. It's, I think, obviously, his win against Chris Gutierrez last 
keeps him in this conversation. But I think Cheeto, coming off of a loss the way he did against Corey Sanhagen, um, where he couldn't get going, just just seemed so uncomfortable from jump. And even in the Dominic Cruz fight, like I felt Dominic Cruz was was either winning that fight or right there. And then obviously, you know, the, the head kick and you know, Dominic Cruz gets knocked out. But it's just the way Cheeto starts fights, where he starts slow. And you're kind of waiting for him to get going and then get comfortable. And I think Corey made him extremely uncomfortable because there was no way that should have been a split decision um, loss to him. He lost 50-45 that whole time. There was nothing he could have done. He was nowhere near uh Corey's level that night and I think Corey's on a different level right now but I think this is a perfect fight the UFC put together on purpose I've said this to you many on many cards where I feel they want to get guys who are not prospects but are the up-and-comers the guys who they can put their dollars around the hype around against a guy like Pedro who had his time his time is clearly on the back end you know the prime is over and this is one of those fights where you can start to build the stock of Cheeto Vera here. You, you could build it here because Cheeto went. Honestly, this is how I think this goes. Cheeto wins this fight. Sean O'Malley loses this this one. Those two are fighting next. That's how I see this fight going, where they're going to do that rematch between the two of them. And I think this is a perfect setup for this to happen. They're fighting on the same card. They'll have the same time off. It, they set this up for this to happen. I think there's going to be a lot of shit talking going on during the pre the press conferences about this, you know, or even afterward in the post fight. I think this is the fight the UFC wants. This is just the setup for the both of them. Uh, I was waiting to say this before. I think Cheeto Vera gets through Pedro. I, I don't know if he'll get the. I think he could. He I think he definitely deserves and will get the knockout. I have Cheeto Vera winning this fight, and. I think Sean O'Malley will lose his fight, and this fight will happen either at the end of the year or early in 2024 between Cheeto Vera and Sean O'Malley. Ooh, I love it. The writing's on the wall, baby. You, you love it. You love when you're so convicted. Um, feels weird that we went the whole main card and only picked favorites, right? Kind of makes me feel like I'm just going to be wrong by default, right? Like someone here I just someone like here needs to get up, like uh, upset. <laughs> Uh, but I agree with you as far as yes. how I'm leaning for this fight as well. I think what scares me about this fight is the way that Cheeto Vera fights is kind of tailor-made to lose to Pedro Munoz in his style. I think Pedro Munoz has clearly become the outside rangy, I'm going to kick your legs and force you to pursue me kind of fighter in this division. That's, that's literally what he does every single fight. Um, so I could see a world where... Cheeto Vera shows up as vintage Cheeto and has a hard time sort of starting the engine, right? And loses two rounds early and puts himself in just a shitty position. And now he's chasing Pedro Munoz around, around the cage trying to get a finish. I really hope that we see an evolution of Cheeto Vera here, an ability to start early and often and really get the ball rolling quicker. I think he's such a good fighter when he's on. And if he shows up in that form early on, honestly, it's really hard for me to think of who can beat him in this division. I think we saw in moments against Corey Sanhagen even, even though I agree that that fight should not have been close at all in the scoring, even though somehow it was a split decision. Um, we saw in moments that not only was he competitive, but he can get to Corey Sanhagen in a way that can hurt him. So I, I look at this fight in many different like side eyes almost like I feel like this is an ultimate 
prove yourself moment for both these guys, right? Cheeto needs to show that he is beyond that version of himself where most of the time he ends up on the wrong end of fights like this. Right. So I, I don't know, man. I think this one is sneaky, more competitive than it should be just because of the way both these guys fight. Um, but I'm not going to talk myself into a, a weird pick here. I'm picking Cheeto Vera. I want to see him really come out and assert himself early in this one. I think that'll really make the difference in his career trajectory, right? Not just for this fight, but moving forward, the ability to put your best foot forward out there in a five round fight um, specifically is what we need to build to. Right. And although he's been just dynamite in the third round with third round round finishes, I think that style really isn't conducive for the bantamweight division. He is literally bantamweight Yoel Romero <laughs> and will just shock you with his power and athleticism if he can get it there. Um, but more urgency, especially at 135, is needed in my opinion. So I'm watching this one with a fine tooth comb, man. I'm really interested to see how this one plays out. Uh, but I think it should be easily Cheeto Vera's fight for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think I, it's weird because I don't like picking the favorites for every fight on the main card. Because I, I like having some upsets, but I feel that this card has been a lot of um, replacements and replacements and replacements. And that's what, like, this card had the build to be like one of the best cards of the year mm -hmm. you know having henry cejudo you know here and you had cody garbrandt a big name back then and you know having uh uh, uh what was his name before neil magny took over like that you had a you had a great fight it was just a lot of replacements and when you have a lot of replacements especially on the main card it kind of ruins the card while you know this isn't a bad card i just don't look at this card as a you know like 290 where or 291 where i'm looking at the main event going it could be literally anyone like it you know i don't it it, it could be i don't know who to choose this is a tough one blah 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 this one feels like a bunch of replacements so you go with obviously the obvious answer and then you know obviously the championship fights kind of feel a little mm -hmm. one-sided for sure and a lot of the fights on this card in general just have really wide odds man so i don't like this i feel like yes. generally cards like this come to bite me in the ass just because someone's bound to get upset right um but we'll see if throughout the rest of the the picks we we end up going in that direction so next up got brad tavares coming at a minus 295 going up against chris weidman plus 225 coming off of obviously a devastating leg injury in his last fight against Uriah Hall. Since then, Uriah Hall has retired. Kind of crazy, right, that we're watching Chris Weidman still fight, but Uriah Hall is retired. Just doesn't feel – nothing feels right in the world. Um, but I already told you guys where I was going with this fight last week. Um, I am picking Chris Weidman here. I think from everything I have seen um, from his recovery – the dude looks in phenomenal shape. I really liked his camp change to, to becoming South Carolina Chris, um, working with young wrestlers and young athletes out there. Um, I think it really reinvigorated his game, and I was looking forward to seeing how he looked in that Uriah Hall fight because of it, right? Just the talks of how he was looking physically, but also how he was performing in the gym. Um I think obviously this is a hard fight to 
to just assume that he's going to come back and be his old self, especially when fighting someone that honestly, it's hard to look good against no matter how good you are. Like think, think about it. Israel Adesanya's fight against him. That was one of the more dominant performances against him. For the most part, you're in for a tough, close fight whenever you fight Brad Tavares. So I, I just feel like it's really going to come down to the wrestling and top control in this matchup. I think if we end up in a situation where, for whatever reason, Chris Weidman wants to turn this into a dick measuring contest and try to win on the feet, um, I could definitely see him just getting blown out the water trying to do that um, at this stage of his career specifically, right? Earlier on, I feel like we could have had the same matchup and Chris Weidman would have been a plus uh, minus 400 favorite, right? Um, so the fact that the lines of this flipped feels just so weird to me. Um, I just, I don't want to live in a world where I can't depend on Chris Weidman to eke out a decision against Brad Tavares. <laughs> but um, once again, I understand that I'm on the wrong side of this one. I understand that um, this is a devastating injury, right? And I sh it shouldn't be just assumed that he's going to be back right where he was before this. If anything, right where he was before this was some of the worst performances of his career, right? So I know I'm betting on a lot of unknowns here. I'm fine to pull the trigger on that in this matchup. I really think Chris Weidman might end up fucking around and getting the title fight in two fights. If he wins this and and Sneaky is able to beat some a couple contenders on the way, man, there isn't a lot of people at 185. Um, so I could really see him making his way to a belt. Uh, hate to say it, hate that I put it out there because that means he's probably going to have at least four more fights and I would love to see him retire. Uh, but I'm rolling with Chris Weidman. God damn it. Give me, give me, give me Long Island, Chris. <laughs> See, I, now I'm on the fence because I was picking Chris. I thought you were going to pick Brad. I was like, you know what? Long Island strong. I'm going with Chris. You know, he's, I'll never forget beating Anderson Silva and, and beating, well, technically beating him a second time. And, you know, I, he's got a lot of fun history around him. He's the only person to ever lose a fight without ever getting hit, you know, with the Uriah Hall win. Like, that, that is such an amazing stat sheet to look at with Uriah Hall with all yeah. zeros and then with the win. So, ah, man, it's devastating injury to come back from. It's been it's been a while. What, what has it been? Oh, it's over. We're, we're over two and a half years probably yeah. at this point. Oh, I do not think Chris Weidman is anything uh, championship level. I think this is kind of like when it comes down to fighters like these, like the UFC is not nice to guys like these where guys are on the verge of retiring or should have retired. You know, at this point, I think Chris Weidman would have retired if the injury didn't happen. Um, I think his time could have come to an end before that, depending on how that Uriah Hall would have ended up. But. You know, the fact that he had lost five of his last six and then, you know, he did beat Omari and I get that. And, then, you know, so he's had a, a tough go. I do believe, though, with two and a half years off, this is as motivated as we're ever going to see Chris Wyman right now. And I just fully believe he's going to come in and he's going to he's going to win this fight. Um, but the UFC is not not nice to guys like these where you want them to have a nice win. You want them to have that feel-good moment, but they never allow it. You know, we had it with Robbie Waller, which was nice, but we've seen countless times 
where fighters have come in towards the end of their careers and or heading toward the end of their careers and it just did not look that way for him. So I think honestly, I think Brad should win this fight. I think he can and will win this fight, but at the same time, I love Chris too much to pick against him. I'm going with Chris Weidman on this one, and a nice, kind of like a Gastelum moment, where he beat Gastelum and Nassau Coliseum. On my birthday. I think he does this again. Yeah, there you go, on your birthday. I think it's going to be like that, where he's going to have a feel-good moment. I really hope he does. But I don't think this is long lasting. I don't I don't know how I'm gonna feel about him in his next couple fights, depending on who he faces. But the fact that the, the comeback is here, we didn't know if it was happening. He's wanted it so bad. He's been begging for this moment. I think he is gonna be absolutely hundred percent ready for this fight. I hope nothing significant injury wise happens to him. I hope this is a fight to remember and I hope he gets a nice third round submission and a nice dub over Brad Tavares. Great shouts. I love that we are picking the exact same people up to this point. I wonder if that trend... I, I don't like that. I don't continue. like that because I need to catch up to you. <laughs> That's why I like it, right? No matter how this goes for me. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, we're, we're keeping it close so. here, uh, but interested to see if that changes moving forward. Next up, we've got the, the RoboCop himself, Gregory Rodriguez, minus 390, coming up against Dennis Tuilulin. Coming back at plus 280. Um, I think this is a very straightforward fight, right? I, I, am I wrong for saying that? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw to you here just because that's how the order of this damn show goes. Uh, but I'm so excited to make my pick because I think it's pretty pretty straightforward how this matchup goes. But what do you think about Dennis Tululin coming up against Gregory Rodriguez? Not a fan of Dennis. Not going to lie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I don't know how you're gonna go with this, but I just feel that this fight was made for Gregory to just come in, and another fight where you're kind of showing the world that he is a top guy still. I, I'm, I'm, I've been on the fence about him because every time I, I believe he's building a winning streak, he ends up losing. And like I know he just lost his last fight to, um. What's his name? Uh, Bruno Ferreira. Um, but I think he wins this one, honestly. Uh, I, honestly, I really don't even see this one being that close. I, I think this is a fight made for Bruno. And Bruno. I don't really want to get like too in detail about it. But I... I uh, his name is Gregory. Oh, did I? Oh, I said Bruno. Oh my god. We don't talk about Bruno. Because I, I just no. said Bruno Ferreira. That's who we lost to, and then I started focusing on Bruno. Yeah. yeah sorry, 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 sorry. I'm thinking Gregory, but I'm I'm thinking of Bruno. Him and Bruno's last fight. No worries. No worries. Um, I think with Gregory, <laughs> that guy. I think that he comes in and knocks him out in the first okay. round. Okay. That is my hardcore over the top prediction. I think this is a this is going to be a nice feel good, uh, not feel good, uh, uh, um, crowd energizing moment to go right into a Chris Weidman yeah. fight. I think this is what's about to happen. I think he's going to knock him out, and it's not. I I honestly don't even see this one being that close, but 
At the same time, Dennis can surprise me, but I just haven't seen it from him at the UFC level to like fully commit myself to uh, picking Dennis yet. Hey, good shouts. I, I, I don't know how to feel about this fight, and here's why. I'm really surprised that they gave Gregory Rodriguez such a step back. Like, I get it. He lost to someone on short notice who wasn't on the roster. Uh, but the dude is a fucking power puncher. And it's no doubt, right? Even though we just saw him get knocked out of his last fight against a newcomer in his own right. Um, it's very clear, right? If he, if you're going to go out there and bang with the guy, you're giving him every chance to do what the fuck he does. Now, I don't think Dennis Tululin is that kind of guy. I think it's very clear I'm going with Gregory Rodriguez here. But what bothers me is just the idea of slipping on a banana peel, right? We've seen him do it already. And in this matchup specifically with Dennis, like I will never make this trade again after last week and, and the rule that sat so well for me. Um, I would never confidently pick somebody who their only win on their resume is Jamie Pickett in the UFC. That's just not a good look, right? That's just not a good look. You are one and two and your only win is Jamie Pickett. Uh, feels like an auto fade to me. But there is a really weird sort of thing in, in Gregory Rodriguez's career, man, where as this big of a favorite, I kind of want to stay away. Like, I'm not going to be putting any money on this at all. Uh, just because even if, like, uh, I forget the guy's name. I might be something like Jordan Matthews, but he has a very generic name. He got knocked out on the Contender Series, man, against someone that hasn't had success in the UFC, got knocked out by Ian Gary in his own right. So um, I just really don't know. I, I think his chin is is really out there for the taking in certain matchups, which makes me nervous. Um, I'm going Gregory Rodriguez here. He is one of my guys, just absolutely loves to get into a firefight and has so many skills in all different phases. Sometimes I'm kind of watching through my hands like, man, just fucking take him down, please, because <laughs> you can probably dominate him there, too. Uh, you don't got to keep rolling the dice here on the feet because, man, he throws with bad intentions. Uh, but the reality of it is it leaves you in a in a position to get a hit with those same very shots from your opponent right so i'm going to very confidently pick gregory rodriguez here uh but i'm nervous I i'm nervous especially because we keep leaning in the same direction austin hubbard versus kurt hollabaugh Beautiful. is that what i'm saying I, I know i can't say anything right um i can't find the way to be like this is all oh, man it's, this is you know once someone wins here this is going to rejuvenate their career this mm -hmm. is it I just don't see it. So in a fight that I could care less about in any sort of way ever, give me Austin Hubbard. By you just took the wind out of my sails with this one because I'm nowhere near as hate-filled for this fight and matchup as you are. <laughs> I'm not trying to be hateful, man. I'm just like, well, realistically, what do you see in their futures? Um, I think both of these guys can actually have a resurgence in this division. I think time hey, time right. is key. I, I don't think either True of these guys are ever going to be a top 15 fighter. So I get being bummed out about the fight because of that angle. Um, but I like the redemption yeah. angle. I like the fact that both of these guys are getting a chance to go out there and do the damn thing once again for the UFC. And with a good chance to get a good contract, right? Uh, a shitty contract, if you ask me, from the Ultimate Fighter. I mean... But either way, I hope they're getting compensated fairly. As far as this specific tussle, right? 
the more I think about it, the more I hate <laughs> the matchup and the odds because I think personally, Austin Hubbard is Grant Dawson minus all the athleticism. Like <laughs> he is a dude that just wants to go out there and control you on the ground and, and do doesn't do it in any dynamic way, has a hard time in striking exchanges. And although he's dominant there and good there, um, I just haven't been a fan of his game in general. And then in matchups like this, I think I'm always in a weird spot, right? Because generally I will go with the grappler over the striker. Um, but looking at this matchup, I think Kurt Holliball has enough defensively to keep himself on the feet and give him the best chance to win in the one area where I feel like anyone has a real clear advantage. Um, I think he has much crisper striking than Hubbard. And I think he is much more confident and comfortable in the fire than Austin Hubbard is. Uh, so you're giving me him at an at a underdog price like that. Uh, I'm licking my chops. So give me Kurt Hollibaud plus 150. Okay. Yep. I won't be surprised okay. if it's a knockout. So finally. Yeah, I may All or right. may not have only made this pick because you did the opposite. I may or may okay. not. Just throwing right. it out there. Who I'm, knows? I'm excited. I'm excited because we finally have something different. So you know what? Now you just gave me a reason to be excited for this fight. You did it. Yeah, look at that. You just found it. And uh, okay. Look at us. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Me. Not me. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whoop, whoop. Hey, guys. I had to uh, quickly get in on this because we had a little bit of a change up thrown to us after we recorded and that was the Brad Katona Cody Gibson fight it had been kind of hiding out there no one knew if that fight was actually going to happen or not the first fight mentioned with Austin Hubbard and Kurt Hollibaugh had been announced and now they after the finale of The Ultimate Fighter has been aired. Brad Katona versus Cody Gibson is now officially on the UFC website. So we will address that quickly. Um, it's just going to be me here for the next like 30 seconds. But I had asked Chris what he thought, and we both agreed that we believe Brad Katona will win this fight. Uh, I will use a direct quote from him where he said that he believes Brad by decision because of lots of top control and that when he left the UFC, he actually had gotten better and that he's been following him. You know, from seeing what I saw in, the, in his fights, uh, he looked good. And I think with the bad blood between the two, I think we have an interesting fight. I'm interested in this one. Um... I'm excited to see how the Ultimate Fighter closes out between these two fights. And to get 12 fights on a card, that's always exciting to me. But quickly, I just wanted to say that we both agreed that Brad Katona will win this one. I think with Brad being part of Connor's team, I think we will see Connor at UFC 292 Boston card in attendance. And I think if I had to guess, I have a feeling that they're going to do some sort of announcement between him and Michael Chandler's fight, you know, either in December or sometime early in 2024. And with this being the literal finale 
of the Ultimate Fighter happening at UFC 292. I think we are going to be in for some fun and interesting news coming our way for sure. So we have Brad Katona, both by decision, and uh, yeah, that's it. Back to our regularly scheduled program. Next up, that's right. <laughs> Andre Potofsky, the man with the hammer and sickle on his chest, coming up against Gerald Mearshart. Oh, man. Um, this is another one of those Gregory Rodriguez situations where I think it is correct that Petrovsky is the favorite. I've really liked his improvements as of late and his ability to really enforce his game and not find himself in a weird striking battle for no reason. Um, I've been really liking his directionality in that way, um, his last couple of fights and really just asserting his grappling advantage. Um, in this fight, I don't like that, though, right? Because it puts you in a weird position with Gerald Mearshart for him to do what he is good at and and leave you out there to get potentially upset. So this is a weird matchup for me. Um, I tend to feel like Andre Petrovsky should be better in every phase of this fight on the feet and on the ground. Um, I think his wrestling advantage is what's going to be the difference here where, yeah, Gerald Mirchard is going to be trying to go for different submissions, but just because he can smother him on top, um, it ends up being a sort of blanket type performance. I'm interested to see where this fight plays out on the feet. I tend to feel like Petrovsky is much stronger, so he can sort of be the one dictating the exchanges, maybe even stunning Mirchard on the way in. I can see that, but I think where, where we really get in trouble, right, as a prospect, is if Gerald Mearshart comes out here and looks like he did against Bruno Santos, I believe his name is, um, just piecing him up with the jab. If we see similar things, right, this is an amazing spot, in my opinion, to live bet after round one, because I think no matter what, round one, Petrovsky is going to look fucking amazing. Round two is where things can start to fall apart, in my opinion, if Mearshart can start to snowball here. I'm picking Andre Petrovsky, but I don't like it, right? It feels like this one can definitely go the other way. And if I was advising people on who the underdog might be to look at, I think Gerald Mearshart at plus 200, it has cashed for so many people on so many different occasions. Uh, you can't go wrong with going with that one. Uh, I just feel like lately the potential has really been shining through for Petrovsky. So give me the hammer and sickle, man. I am. I think Petrovsky is real deal. I don't know if the hype is really built around him yet, but I am in on the hype train. I think he can be something special. I'm not sure yet how much I believe in his championship level, uh, if he can be a championship level fighter, but I believe he is on his way right now. I think we are just seeing the peak of his prime, and I believe that he rolls right through Gerald. I actually, like, to be honest with you, like, I don't know. With this card, it makes me feel a certain way. This card makes me feel like there's not that many where you're really looking at it like, okay, this is going to be real close. You know, Obviously, there's a couple of them where you're like, I don't know who to go with, but I don't see a lot of them ending in a close fight or, or split decision, so to speak. But um, I, I believe this is Andre's time. I feel like this is sort of a stepping stone for him to get a bigger fight. And... Uh, Gerald has been around a, a really long minute. Um, I think this is like seven, seven years, six years now with him. 
he never really got going, never really built himself up to you know, be what he was supposed to. I started to believe in him back in like 2020, 2021 with the, with, when he had that win streak. But it's kind of fallen off since then. And the fight to Joe Pfeiffer, that one kind of cemented it for me. Like, I just don't have it uh, in me to believe that he's going to turn it around. And I think, um, I don't think this is the end of, of, of Gerald, but I believe this is Andre's time. He rolls right through him. Yeah, man. Good shouts. I I would honestly be pretty surprised if Gerald's able to get the win here. I feel like this is just such a big difference in just sheer athleticism. Um, but if he if he gasses, man, there's the there's the path. There's always the path. Don't ever forget that in MMA specifically. Uh, but next up, we've got another huge fucking favorite, Natalia Silva at minus three ninety coming up against Andrea Lee. Um, this might have been a spot if you asked me last week that I'm like, hey, that underdog's looking good, man. That underdog is looking good. Uh, but after the week I had last week, I'm not going fishing for them at all. I actually am a really big fan of Natalia Silva. I've been really shocked by how good she has looked in the UFC. Um, and her rise in the UFC has been really cool to follow, man. Um, obviously, the big knockout in her last fight. Um, but two in a row, and I think what's the sneakiest win on her record is her win against Yasmin Yazdavicius. I think that win has aged beautifully, and if you watch back on that fight as well, there was moments where she felt like she could have gotten the, the knockout in that match as well. Just dominant, and, and honestly, that fight made me kind of feel like, man, I don't know how good... Um, I don't know how good Jasmine could be in this division. Maybe she's not cut out for being in the UFC. And then we've seen her run since then, right? So I think that really does speak to how good Natalia Silva is. I don't like Andrea Lee. I think she's had a checkered pass for all the wrong reasons and associating herself with a lot of scumbag people, um, Nazis and, and white supremacists, uh, the like, right? So feels good to root against someone, uh, in this scenario. Um, but I understand why most MMA fans love her, right? She is a blonde woman that fights in the cage. A uh, very simple one, two, one plus two equals three equation there as far as why fans love her so much. Um, I think she has a really fun style as well. Uh, but I think in this matchup, that really puts her in a worse position, honestly, if she was someone that was more reserved. Um, I think her willingness to sort of pursue the fight in all ranges is going to be what's going to be her biggest downfall here. So give me Natalia Silva and give me, this is going to be the hot take here, right? Cause we're all picking the same people. <laughs> so we might as well come up with different angles, right? Um, I think Natalia Silva hurts her on the feet at some point and then finishes her with a submission. So give me maybe some sort of front choke, maybe some sort of guillotine. Uh, that That's my prediction here. So give me Natalia Silva. All right. So then I'll, I obviously have Natalia Silva only because, you know what? You got me on, on Natalia Silva hype train because we when we did our episode where we broke down the divisions and we did our um, unranked, guys to look out for in the women's flyweight division you mentioned both silvas and it just so happens that they are going to this card but you specifically talked about italia silva and how she was uh going to be the next uh, another not the next big thing but that she was on her way and that you were excited to see her and now this is literally we're watching her chance she's fighting uh, uh 
Andrea Lee. I, I just can't say names anymore. It's like it's even the simple ones. <laughs> Andrea Lee, I think she's 12 or 13 right now. This is a perfect, I think, the point where we start to see her come up and no longer silently. This is where her name starts to come in, and I believe that she comes in and dominates. I honestly, I'm excited for this fight. Uh, this is probably the fight that gets the crowd going. I think Natalia just is a way better fighter here. I think she just rolls right through Andrea or Andrea, whatever. And I be think careful. Oh, I, I don't care. I'm saying it. Like, I don't care how I feel about it. I'm going with it. I think Natalia knocks her out within the first or second round. Hey, I love it. I love it. Whew. The Silva hype train reigns on. Next up, we've got Karini. Karini Silva coming up against right. Marina Moros. Yukereinia uh, in the flesh. <laughs> um, That's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna toss to you on this one. I I figured you would. <laughs> how do you How do you feel about? I this, like this, this fight. Matchup? I do. I like it because this is a really this is meant to be a close fight to start the card. This is one of the very few where I believe this is going to be a very very close fight, and I'm going to ride with the Silva train like you just said before. I think I think Kareen is hmm, I think she can be great. I just don't know how much of experience I should say not experience, um what's the word I'm looking for? Like the these high competitive fighters. How could she get how she's gonna do against these high competitive fighters? And I believe She's on a good run right now, so I believe – I always believe in primes. I always believe when, when you're on these win streaks, you're at the best that, you know, that you're going to be. And I, I felt the same way about Marna, whatever her name is. I'm, I'm terrible with names. Marina, I'm going with Marina. I don't what – what's the name? <laughs> you're talking about Marina Rodriguez? Who are you talking about? Oh, my God. You see, this is the, – the, the person Kareen is fighting. Marina Morose. Marina Morose. Marina Marina. See, I just I'm not good with names. I'm just not good with it. About like, the air I see today. it in front of me. And I'm yes, just I, I it's Marina. It's Marina now. Okay. So I believe Marina was I, I like Marina. Like Marina's been around a, a good minute. But that's yeah. what I mean with, with these type of fighters. But Marina's been around a good minute, but I haven't seen her take that next step. And I felt like she could have when she when she had that fight against Jennifer Maya, that that was the fight. That was going to take her there, and she didn't win that fight. So, at the same time, I could see Marina coming in and and making a statement against against Kareen. But I like the way Kareen has come in these last fights. She's been incredible on the ground. Her submission game is one of the top notch right now, and I feel that this is a great start to a great pay per view card. And I'm gonna go with Kareen Silva on this one. I, you know what? I don't know how I feel about it being submission, but I. I feel she's going to do just enough to squeak by. I think it's going to be a very, very, very close fight. Whew, I love the way you capped this one. I think I'm such a fan of Karini Silva just because she's a fucking tank for 125. Like, she is absolutely ginormous. Just look at her neck, right? If you want to, you don't even need to see her full body. Just look at her neck in the topology page. It's, it's just absolutely huge. Um, she is a tank for sure at this division. Um, 
I don't know what it is, man. These last two, these first two fights to start the card, I feel like it's such a big step up for both of these ladies where they're at. Like, although they are big time prospects, such a big step up, especially when you consider the experience advantages here for both of these ladies. Like, I think this is going to be such a close fight. I think raw horsepower could just win Karini Silva the day, right? Um, I just am concerned with Marina Moreau's being so good in the grappling phases, specifically being able to to snatch up arm bars and things like that in transitions, um, even arm triangle chokes, right? We've seen her do a lot of different submission techniques in the UFC. Um, I, I'm really worried about this matchup for Karini Silva, and I'm actually going to be picking Marina Moreau's here. I think this is just a good spot in my opinion, to show the sort of value of experience, UFC level experience, like just consider these names, these names I'm about to drop right here across two different divisions are some of the best women fighters we have on the map today in the UFC, Maria Agapova, Myra Bueno Silva, Sabina Mazo, Danielle Taylor, shout out to Danielle Taylor, still tearing shit up over there in Invicta. And she just fought the who's who's of 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 this division and and 135. Like she's bounced around everywhere. Um, there's gonna be nothing that Karini has for her that she hasn't really seen already. And I feel like you can't say that in the inverse. So give me Marina Moroz by some sort of late round submission. I'm gonna say round round two. Wow. Okay. I like it. I like it. I think this is um. Probably the closest we have ever been when it comes to our picks. Yeah. This is uh so so many so many wide um lines on this card. Like the fact that yeah, Karini that's, Silva that's yeah. and Marina Moroz is the closest fight and she's minus one sixty, like says a lot, right? Like there are not any big favorites on this. I mean, there are many big favorites on this card. So uh, yeah. We could we could look like an ass, right? I can see a scenario like 290 100%. where we come out of this one just taking an absolute bath, right? Like, but I don't know, man. I feel I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. I feel like I I made some shots there towards the end where I saw the path, but I wasn't confident. Where I'm like, you know what? Let's 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 change things up over here. So I'm liking the way the picks are going. Are you excited, Sean, to get ready into our dynasty no. portion of this? <laughs> no, because every time I think I'm confident, it ends up going the exact opposite of what I want. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Cautiously optimistic. Cautious. We, we can very, add very, that. Very, very cautious here. <laughs> All right. So this week, you have the pleasure of having the first pick, Sean. Oh, so I will I... let you lead off here. Yep. Oh, I don't like that at all. Um. All right. My first pick. Give me Zhang Weili to start. Okay. Can't go wrong with Zhang Weili. I like that. I like her right now. I think she's got a nice championship run to her name coming up. For sure. I like that one a lot. I like that one a lot, actually. Whew, now, where do I go? I don't where like do this. I go in this scenario? <laughs> where do I go? Because there's a lot of different ways I can do this. Hmm. All right. I think I'm going to go conservative here, but I am going to go with who I like the best. So give me Natalia Silva with my first pick. 
And then the wheel comes right back around to me, and I'm trying to look at the board and have a good understanding of, you know, who I want versus who you may want. And you know what? Why not? Give me the Daisy, Ian Machado, Gary, second pick. Yeah. Sean, the wheel has returned to you. It is your turn to grace us with your pick. Oh, you're you're killing me here. Okay. Oh, I that hurt. You get two, by the way. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I'm gonna go with Gregory Rodriguez here. I think this is a big come up for him. I think he's got a nice little win streak coming. Um, I'm gonna take him. Okay. And then give me give me Kareen Silva. I, I want it. I, Ooh, I think she's got. He uh, wants you know all the smoke. Yeah, I think this is gonna be a big. Either this is gonna work out in my favor, or it's gonna really blow up in my face here. So I, I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna go with. Can you remind me of who your first pick was? Because Gregory I'm Rodriguez. Stunad. Stunad. Thank you. There we go. Ah, I'm kind of disappointed because that's where I wanted to go. Uh, but you left me with my two favorite spots on the card. So I'm actually really excited. I have no idea how these people have survived this long. Because in my opinion, they're not only one of the best prospects on the card, but also one of the best uh, active fighters we have in our pound-for-pound rankings. Yeah. Um, so for one of my last two picks, I'm going to go with Aljamain Sterling, the champ himself as well as, in my opinion, one of my favorite prospects in the bantamweight division, Mario Bautista. So round out our picks with your final pick, Sean, whenever you're Mm. ready. I have two in mind. I don't know how I feel about it, but... Oh, gosh. Having them on our team for the long haul might have been a better decision, right? So tried to temper my that's, expectations. That's the hard this part about it. With it's that a, that's the hard part about picking guys because you you like them in this fight, you go yeah yeah yeah, but then in the next fight you go oh no. <laughs> but so yeah. I'm 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 not on the Cheeto Vera train right now, so I'm going with Andre Petrosky here. Ooh, I like it. I'm gonna. Okay. I believe. I believe in him at this current moment in time, and I think he's got a nice little win streak on the way as, as well. Good one. And uh, I, I, I like these picks. You know, I, I like my picks this week, and you know, the Korean Silver one's a little on the scary end, but I believe she gets the job done, and it'll be, I'll be biting my nails in the first first fight of the week, <laughs> uh, first fight of the card. So, uh, I like it. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, for sure. I like I like my picks too. I'm actually really confident. I'm like, I, this might be the week. I might go four and zero again, uh, but we'll see. I'm kind of nervous. I can't wait till we get to the point that we have some fighters already drafted to start the night. Like, I feel like that's gonna add a different level of wrinkle when making these picks. That's gonna make it even more exciting. Uh, but can't wait to see how this one turns out. So to recap, we've got Sean with his first pick going with Zhang Wiley. Me with the second and third, I've got Natalia Silva and then Ian Machado Gary. Sean with four and five, he goes Gregory Rodriguez and Karini Silva. And then with six and seven, I go Aljamain Sterling and Mario Bautista. Can't believe I got that value at the end of the board. And Sean goes with Andre Petrowski, another great pick in my opinion. 
on the board. I can't believe none of us picked uh, Marlon Vera in this one. I think I was having, going to. having him for the long haul feels like a good idea. Yes. I think another one that we can't, we can't really justify, but it just, it is what it is. Right. Uh, none of us here going with Sean O'Malley. Right. Yeah, I can get why, right. why you wouldn't want him for this fight, but eh, I, I like his future prospects. I don't see them giving him a hard time. I mean, look at who he's fought to get to a title shot. Um, I'm sure they'll try to match him up kindly, even if he loses here. So another spot that we might come to regret later on, but I, I, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I can't wait to see how things are looking next week. Yeah, no, it's going to be, I'm excited to see, hopefully I can, hopefully I can turn this around and uh, I try to win at least by one this week and slowly start to build my way back. It's been a rough dynasty draft for me, but. I look forward to to uh, turning it around and finishing the year off strong. We have come to a close. Our recap show of UFC Fight Night, Luke versus RDA. Our breakdown of UFC 292. This is another fun one, man. I can't believe we're two hours strong already because this this went by in a breeze, right? Like I, I feel like once again we might have even left a couple couple minutes on the table here as far as potential analysis, but. Uh, really loving our picks, really loving the way things are going. Feel cautiously optimistic, man. Once again, the cards with big favorites like this, never really sure how it's going to play out. Obviously, that's why we make the goddamn fights, right? On paper, it is one thing, but in reality, it is another. So I can't wait to figure out what it's looking like, as always, next week. Uh, but with that being said, make sure that you are following the brand. If you like what you saw, if you saw what you liked, Make sure you're checking out OTS so you can keep getting awesome content like this delivered right to your inboxes. Thank you so much for tuning in and sticking along this long. It's been an awesome ride. You can find me at Negron MMA on Twitter and TikTok, as well as Chris Negron underscore on Instagram. Uh, thank you so much for all the support. I've basically... I'm almost at 550 followers on Twitter, so let's keep running that up. I can't wait to get over that 600 mark. So... Once again, thank you for all the support. Sean, let the people know on the way out where they can find you again. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you can find me at Sean Negron26 on Twitter. And um, I have my own website, a bunch of other podcasts. You'll see when you see my page. But you can go to my website, bsreports.org, and you can check the website out. If you ever are interested in joining the website, just shoot me a DM or an email, whatever. My email is there as well. and um, I'll help you and get you started and uh, do whatever I can to get you moving forward. Heck yeah. Just an awesome dude on top of awesome analysis. So make sure you're checking him out there. Uh, but thank you so much for tuning in. As I mentioned, can't wait to have you guys back with the sideline guys next week, but until then we'll see you. Have a good one. Peace. <laughs>